Well, hey, good morning, LifePoint. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. Again, if you are visiting with us for the very first time, we would love to connect with you. Promise not to uh, spam, with, 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 spam you excuse me, with all kinds of information, uh, but we would love to uh, just get to know you and share uh, life with you. So if you text that word welcome to the number on the screen and uh, follow the prompts there, we would love to give you some information. My name is Pastor John, the uh, pastor of uh, life point here, and uh, so glad to have you here with us. If you go to Joshua chapter 23, if you have the scriptures with you this morning, go ahead and uh, find your way to Joshua chapter 23. If you don't have the scriptures, we'll have it up on the screen for you to follow along with us as well this morning. But we are uh, coming to the end of our sermon series here in the book of Joshua called Strong and Courageous. Uh, my plan uh, is to wrap it up in the next few weeks. I was actually going to wrap it up uh, next week, but then I discovered I probably won't get through everything today. And so uh, it's going to turn into really two, uh, two parts this morning. But I, I hope it's been beneficial. Um, the scriptures always should have a benefit, amen, in, in your life and uh, should grow us, should challenge us. And uh, I, I really hope and pray uh, that our series in the book of Joshua has done that, that it's been beneficial for you, that it's uh, uh, helped you to, to build your, your life up in some way and really uh, helped you in the midst of your battles in, in, in your life and, of course, the battles that you'll, uh, you and I will face. God still wants us to be strong and courageous. Amen. That's really been the theme uh, throughout this whole series is that we would build strength and courage for the Lord. He wants us to be that, Right. Uh, he wants us to be that for our spouse. He wants us to be strong and courageous uh, for him, for our children, uh, for, I would say, one another here in this body of believers, uh, but also for the world around us, that they would see uh, strength and courage for the Lord lived out here. And so we need to build that. But we would say, especially for this, and this has really been uh, the theme or the point of being strong and courageous, is that we're strong and courageous for the Scriptures for the word of God, that we would have strength and courage to actually obey God's word. I mean, we need uh, that kind of courage in the world that we live in today, strength and courage to obey the scriptures, even when it's not convenient and even when it is not popular. We need that certainly today. And the nation of Israel needed that, right? I mean, their success was was truly dependent upon uh, their ability to obey the scriptures, the battles that they would uh, face uh, time and time again, they needed desperately to obey uh, the Lord. Um, but that would only get harder uh, in the days ahead. Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting that it would get harder because there's really not a whole lot of battles that they're gonna face uh, in the future. Um, but the call to continually obey the Lord the call for the nation of Israel to obey, to serve, uh, to really love the Lord in the future would prove to be even more challenging during their times of rest than it was in the midst of their battles. And really in the final two chapters of the book of Joshua, Joshua's really going to press this with them. Uh, he's really going to seek to give them counsel and advice for the days ahead, the times of rest, um, to, to help them to become more vigilant in their obedience to and loyal to, uh, loyalty to uh, the Lord because he knew their propensities. Uh, he knew how easy it was for the nation to just kind of slip back into old ways, that they uh, would not become complacent in their faith during their times of rest, that they would not become comfortable, but they would become just as committed to the Lord uh, during times of ease as they uh, did during times of battle. And so these uh, are, are, are times really that, that we often become complacent 
in our faith as well. Like we can so relate to this, that uh, when times are easy, when times are comfortable, when everything just kind of seems to be going well in life, those are often the times for us as Christians that we kind of feel this, I don't really need God. You know, like the bank account's good, the health is good, the relationships are good in life. We often get comfortable in those moments. We become lax in our spiritual habits and disciplines. And so as it was with Israel, so it often is with us. It's during those times of ease that you and I become most vulnerable in our faith. And Israel was about to enter that time. I mean, really a time of rest. And we learned that last week in the end of Joshua chapter number 11. They had just fought this uh, last battle. They had kind of wiped out some of the, uh, the Anakim, the giants in the land. They'd faced their greatest enemy, largest army. Uh, and, and they did it with, with ease because the Lord, of course, fought for them. And now they're going to enter a time of rest. In fact, we read that at the very end of Joshua chapter number 11, that the, the land had rest from war. There would, of course, be smaller battles as the land is being allotted from Joshua chapter 12 all the way to Joshua chapter 22, really just entails all the land being dispersed to every single tribe uh, within the nation of Israel. And they would have kind of small skirmishes, small battles that each tribe would essentially have to face on their own. But really, by and large, the wartime was over and the time of rest had begun. And with that came a lot of dangers. And you wouldn't think it would be that case, right? You would think like, oh, it's, you know, God has, you know, given us all these great victories and, and God has won all these great battles for us and done amazing things. And I was just kind of, you were just going to kind of coast, right? And we kind of have that mindset often in life, don't we? That we go through a, a trial, a struggle in life, and, and we see God work a great victory. And we kind of look back and be like, that's awesome what God has done. And now we just think, now the rest of my life will be easy, Right? At least we hope it would be that case. But in those moments of ease, of comfort, of rest, come dangers. And so here's what we're going to discover in Joshua chapter 23 and his advice to the nation of Israel entering that time of comfort, entering that time of ease. And uh, it's simply this main thought, and, and it's our bottom line for today's message, and that is this, is that complacency is the enemy of success. Complacency is the enemy of your success as an individual Christian. And just so we're clear on what success is, right? Because we often buy into the lies of the world, and the world defines and wants to define for us what success is, right? What success looks like. And it looks like your house, and, you know, the toys in your garage, and the amount of money you have, and the vacations that you go on. And we often buy into all of those ideas about success. Well, what is success for those of us who are Christians? Well, we would define it simply, or I would define it uh, in these simple terms, is that success is faithfulness, amen? That success in, in, in the Christian life is, is purely being faithful in all areas of our lives to the Lord, everything. We just say, at the end of my life, uh, my success is really just being faithful and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, that is how we would define success. And when we become complacent, uh, when we become complacent, we hinder the likelihood of that success ever happening in our lives. Let me give you a, a quick definition of complacency. Merriam-Webster defines complacency this way. It's a self-satisfaction. 
uh, that really at its essence, complacency is this like, I am just satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not reaching for anything greater or more. I'm okay with, uh, with where I'm at. And of course, that can be a good thing, this idea of contentment. Uh, but it goes on to say this, self-satisfaction, especially when it's accompanied by an unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. We often are unaware, are we not, of the battle that we are facing, the deficiencies uh, that, that we face in our own life, the challenges that we face in our own life. It's in those moments of complacency uh, that we become people uh, who fall away from the Lord. And it happens when we become occupied with other things, doesn't it? Complacency. Uh, complacency happens when, when, when we just kind of approach Christianity with like, well, I'm, I'm okay with just a little bit of Jesus, right? Like, I'm okay with just a little bit of church. Like, you know, if I go to church maybe once every uh, once in a while, or I read my Bible, or I walk with the Lord just a little bit, then I'm okay with that. That is where we become complacent. It happens when we become comfortable and unaware of the battles that we're facing. It happens when we ignore our sin and excuse our ungodly behavior. And every single person in this room this morning, including myself, is in danger of becoming complacent in their faith, becoming indifferent, uh, becoming satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus. We're all in danger of forgetting how easy it is for you and I to fall away from the Lord and fall into a myriad of sins. And so we're going to lean into Joshua's advice, as the nation of Israel is really in danger of all of these things. I mean, their greatest danger was not the battles that they were facing. Their greatest danger is disobeying the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And, 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 and discovering and, and experiencing his wrath and his judgment uh, upon them. And if you know their story, you know uh, that they, they are going to experience a lot of those things. And so we need to lean into Joshua's advice. How do we how do we approach these times of ease? And maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're like, Pastor, that's not where I'm at. I'm in a battle. I'm in a struggle. I'm in a trial. I get that. I understand that. But maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I'm kind of comfortable in my Christianity. And I would say today that the, uh, the church in America is very, very comfortable. Uh, as you look at the church by and large in uh, the world today, uh, comparing that to uh, our struggles in America, we are comfortable in our Christianity. Um, and so we need to consider how do we walk through these times of comfort and ease, and what are some things that we need to be on the lookout for? And so we're going to read Joshua chapter 23. We're going to read the entire chapter together in church. Can you guys handle that this morning? Yeah? Okay. We're going to do it, all right? Uh, whether you like it or not, because I'm actually the one speaking. Um, anyways... <laughs> Sometimes I say things that I should not say them. <laughs> Anyways, I'm a sinner, okay, just for the record. Uh, Joshua chapter 23. Uh, I'll break it into small chunks so that we can really digest this well. Let's read the scripture. It says, A long time afterward, a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years. This is in verse 2. Joshua summoned all of Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges, and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. We don't really know exactly uh, how long this actually was. Like, what is kind of the time stamp? We, we don't have any kind of time stamp here uh, to really have an exact date and an exact time. But we do know 
that Joshua lives to a ripe old age of 110 years old. That's Joshua chapter 24 and verse 29. Um, it was about maybe 80 years. Uh, uh, he was about 80 years old approximately when they crossed the Jordan. Um, and uh, Caleb, uh, we kind of have some timestamps in his life because Caleb was about the same age as well, his friend. Uh, and so it's possible that maybe 15 to 20 years had passed after the last battle in chapter 11 that we looked at last Sunday. Uh, but we cannot say with great certainty how long it has been. But regardless, Joshua is now at the end of his life. Like he, he's old, he, he knows he's weak, he's kind of feeble, um, and he wants to give this last charge uh, to the nation, to its leaders, that uh, they, they would continue on, that they would remember what God has done. And, uh, and this, of course, was very customary during those days to, uh, to give a charge and give uh, kind of some encouragement. So let's read on in, in verses three through five. And it says, and you, this is Joshua speaking to all of those leaders, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations, that was the, the Canaanites, for your sake. It, for it was the Lord your God who has fought for you. And behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your uh, tribes, those nations that remain, along with the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. And the Lord your God, verse five, will push them back before you and you will drive them out from your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God has promised you. And so Joshua is, is looking back and just reminding them about the past victories. Like we talked about uh, in past sermons, those memorial markers, those victories that we look back in our life and we can say, God, 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 all along the way, the victories that he has wrought in my life, the peace that he has wrought and brought into my life, the victories that, that God has done for your sake. This is what Joshua says. God has done this for you, Israel. He fought for you, and guess what? He will continue to fight for you. This is who God is. Remember I said, whenever you open the scriptures, you have to be looking for the character of God. Who is God, and what is he like? And Joshua, of course, is doing that with the nation of Israel. This is who God is. He is a God of his word. He is a God who keeps his promises. And know this today, church, he is still that same God today. Uh, he will continue to fight for you. So let's read on verses six through 11. It says in verse six, therefore be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you. This would be the Canaanites who still lived in much of the land. Uh, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. That's a pretty amazing thing. And all the battles that they faced, right? Uh, one man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it's the Lord, uh, your God, who fights for you, just as he promised to you. Be very careful, verse 11, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And we're going to focus uh, the majority of our time this Sunday and next Sunday really on, on this portion of Scripture. And we're going to draw out some principles today uh, on how we can, can, can combat this complacency in our lives. But let's just read the rest of the chapter. We're so close. Let's finish it off, and then we'll uh, draw some uh, points and application from it, okay? Verse number 12 says, For if you turn back, so there's a promise 
Uh, but there's also this, uh, this curse as well. Like if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and they shall be a trap uh, for you, uh, a whip on your sides and thorn in your eyes. That sounds nice, doesn't it? A thorn in my eye, right? Um, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. Uh, Joshua's basically saying, we're all going to die. Let's, let's just realize that, right? And you know in your hearts, in your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you, and not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant, verse 16, of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. And this is such a fantastic sermon. Uh, it really is a message, a sermon from Joshua to uh, the nation's leaders, specifically at this time. Chapter 24 is really going to be to the entire nation of Israel, but it's really a timeless, timeless message, meaning it applies to us today just as much as it applied to the nation of Israel as well. And the problem really for them is still the problem that we face today uh, in modern America, that when things are good, like we've got to be aware when times are good, when we're comfortable in our life, when we're void of any real struggles, when uh, we're living in the midst of God's rest, it's actually in those moments that we're most susceptible to becoming complacent, complacent. I don't know if you read a whole lot about persecution in the world. I don't even know if you're aware that there are Christians in the world today, right now, who are actually being persecuted for their faith. But I'm always intrigued to kind of compare and look at the modern church in America today and compare it to uh, the persecuted church around the world. There's such a stark difference in commitment. You would think you would think that a church that is suffering much, a church that is uh, being persecuted for their faith, a church that has to meet underground, that cannot even meet in public, a church that you know, cannot have buildings and facilities and, and places where that they can come and worship freely, you would think in that kind of environment that you would see little commitment. But it's actually the opposite. That in places where there's great persecution, you find people who are so utterly committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet in the modern church in America today, you see comfort. You see all kinds of uh, wonderful, wonderful things that are good and, and, and blessings to be able to have and to do in our society. But in the midst of that, you see such a lack of commitment. The, the comfortable church is really the less committed church. And I think Joshua knew that this would be a danger that Joshua knew that, man, we, you know, all the battles we fought, and we were so reliant on the Lord for every moment that we saw God work in, in, in magnificent, wonderful ways. I mean, his, his, uh, his mercy, his grace, his, his power was just on display all the time for us to see. But now, there's no more battles. 
now there's not going to be as much hardship. And Joshua knew that complacency would become the enemy of their future success. And the same, listen to me this morning, the same can be true of every single person in this room today. And so what are we to do, Joshua? What are the things that we should focus on? And I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate here, these are not profound. They're not hard to understand. They're not deep theologically. They are very simple, but yet they are absolutely crucial. That if you do not uh, put these things into your life, that if you do not uh, have a heart to follow these things, to, to, to do the simple things in life, listen, you will become a statistic in Christianity. You will be a person who easily falls away from the Lord and falls for the things of the world. And so Joshua gives us some principles. And he gives us four things. We're just going to talk about two uh, this morning. But there, there are four things that are really based on this. And we've already read at the beginning uh, of the chapter. They're based upon what God has already done for you and what God has already promised. You remember what Joshua said? He's like, hey, remember what God has done. He fought for you. He, he fought your battles. He, he has given you victories. Like, don't forget what God has done for you. And don't forget what God has promised to you as well. And we need to remember those same things as well as we think on these principles this morning. What has God done for me in securing my salvation, in securing my eternity with God? What has God done for me and what has God promised to me? Those two things, listen, will help you to navigate struggles and trials in life like nothing else. God is working in my life and God has promised me great things. And so based on that, here's just a basic principle uh, that Joshua gives to them. And that is this, is that we would live every day in constant obedience, right? Not profound, right? Live every day in a, a balance. I have actually balanced obedience on there. Um, and we're going to talk about what that word balance means in just a moment. But notice in verse number six with me. It says, therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. Listen, we owe God our obedience, do we not? Obedience is one of those things, it's like a non-negotiable kind of thing. I mean, understanding what God has done for us, that we would actually look at everything he, was, he has done for us, and we would say, God, I owe you my obedience every single day of my life. Be very strong to keep and to do. And there's that strength again, right? That we've talked about over and over again that we need strength and courage, uh, not physical strength and not physical courage, but courage to, to do what's right, courage to obey the scriptures. And I think we get that, right? We understand the obedience part. It's not hard to understand. It's clear that we are to live every single day in obedience to the scriptures. And the word of God ought to guide us in all manners of life. And so we need strength to do that. But notice the latter half of this verse, because there's something there that I think uh, we maybe uh, often miss. And that is this, turning aside from it, neither to the right hand or to the left. And turning from it, neither to the right hand nor to the left. You know, Satan would love for you to turn either way. <laughs> like he doesn't care which way you turn, just as long as you turn away from the scriptures. 
just as long as you turn it. And it might be a small turn. It might be just a little bit in life, but, but the Satan would love nothing more than for you to just turn away from obeying the word of God in some way, shape, or form in your life. But I, 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 I think Joshua has maybe a kind of a greater meaning even than just that, that, that Joshua probably means that we have this tendency as human beings to live in extremes, do we not? Especially as Christians, I think we have this tendency to live uh, either to one extreme or the other, that we find it very, very difficult at times to live a balanced Christian life, to find balance between two things that I, I think we often face as a Christian community. And one is this, legalism, and the other is freedom. That on one side, you have this mindset of uh, kind of legalistic thoughts and, and legalistic mindsets. Most Christians are going to lean to maybe one of those two extremes, ultra-legalistic or ultra-freedom. I either can't do anything versus I can do everything. And some of you know what that's like. Uh, you understand what it's like to maybe live in an environment of, uh, of legalism, ultra-legalism. Uh, I grew up really in, in that kind of church environment where, you know, you just had to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, read a certain Bible. I mean, there was just like all these sets of rules. And as long as you, you know, were following the rules and appeared to be like everything was good on, on, on the outside, nobody really questioned what was going on on the inside, Right. That's the environment that I kind of grew up in, and some of you uh, can probably relate to that, and it's very, very detrimental uh, upon, upon the faith in so many different, different levels. But some of you can relate to the other side, where everything is just like, freedom, you know? Bobblehead Jesus on the dashboard, you know? That, that's kind of how I see it. Uh, we're free to do whatever we want, right, in the abundance of God's grace. And I personally don't think either one of them is correct that there is this inherent danger really on both sides in life, that we would not go to one extreme or the other extreme, but that we would actually find balance in our Christian walk. And that can be, I understand, a very difficult thing for many people to find because we're such like a, a rule-based kind of society. If I just follow the rules, right? There's the legalistic side. If I just follow the rules over here, God is pleased with me. And then there's the other side. We're free to do whatever we want because God is love, right? Finding balance in the midst of those things takes discernment. And discernment, of course, comes through prayer. God, give me wisdom. God, give me understanding. And so we need balance, right? Don't turn to one extreme or turn to the other extreme. But then notice this. Joshua says, keep and do all that is written. Keep and do all that is written. And what that means is this. You don't get to pick and choose what you want to believe, right? You don't get to pick and choose in life. Like, you know, I, I kind of like this aspect of Christianity. I kind of like this aspect of the Bible. But, you know, the rest of it I'm not really too keen on. I'm not going to, you know, hold to that. Joshua says, look, if you're going to have success, if you're going to live in the midst of this comfort, in this ease, and retain all of the blessings that God has poured out upon you, you have got to obey it all not just some of it. And the same is true for you and I today. We need to uphold the scriptures, all of it, church. Every last word of scripture, we need to have a high view of God's word. And I know you're here 
And, and, and you would say, man, I, I have that high view. I uphold the scriptures in my life. We need to build strength uh, encourage to obey it. And so consequently, what do we do? We read it. And this is where it gets hard and it gets challenging. We would say, yes, I uphold the scriptures. Yes, I have a, a high view of the word of God. Yes, we need to obey all of it. But how much do we actually read it? <laughs> how, how much do we actually allow the word of God to pour into our hearts and pour into our lives and, and, and to feed our, our thoughts and to feed uh, our, our experiences and everything we walk through and everything we experience in life, that the word of God is the one thing that we stand upon and we hold to and we live by, keep, keep and do. You know, in, in my experience through the years, I, I've seen this, we, we've gotten so good at the keeping part like, I know the rules, and I know the verse, and I know the law, and I know the right things to do, but we've not been very good at the doing part, actually living it out, actually being obedient. Live every day in constant obedience to the Word of God. And so here's a question you need to be asking yourself. Where am I not being obedient to the Word of God today? What are areas of my life? And listen, there's not a perfect person in this room, right? But what are areas in my heart and in my life, that I'm not being obedient to the word of God. Joshua's like, you guys aren't gonna, you're not gonna succeed if you're not willing to live in obedience every single day to what God has written. So that's point number one. Point number two is this, is that we would live every day separate. That we would live every day separate. Notice in verse number seven, and Joshua gets very pointed and specific to them as a nation. He says uh, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you. And those nations remaining were the Canaanites. That many of those uh, cultures and those cities were, were still there. And some of them were to be driven out. Some of them were not. Uh, that there was going to be this gradual process that God was going to allow them to be tested and to be challenged, right? God's not going to remove every challenge and every obstacle in your life and just make life so easy for you. That doesn't happen, right? And it wasn't going to happen with the nation of Israel. He says, so you may not mix with them, those nations that remain among you, or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. These are the things, church, that would determine their future success. And, and some, as, they, uh, people have, as they've looked at this passage in the, in, in the past, I think have really misinterpreted uh, the essence and thoughts of this through the years, and have really taken that this means that, uh, that there shouldn't be any uh, interracial kind of marriage, but that is not really uh, what this entails at all for us today. The reason, what is the reason that Joshua said, look, don't mix with these nations. Uh, don't even name their gods. Do not you know, uh, marry your sons off or your daughters off with these uh, people of other nations. Why were they not to do that? So that they would not be influenced in regards to their religion, in regards to their faith, that there was a real danger of them becoming, just think about this, just like the nations, that God for over 400 years had called to repentance this nation that had just fallen into these gross sins, child sacrifice, all kinds of idolatry. The guy's just like, I I've had enough and I'm going to judge them. That Joshua's like, you are in danger of falling into the same gross sins as them. You gotta separate yourself. I like what Tony Evans said. He said this, don't embrace the world's value system. 
And I think that's what's in play here completely, that, that the nation of Israel, like, do not embrace the world's values, the world's uh, uh, things that they would uphold and say, these are the things that are most important. And we're all certainly this morning in danger of that constantly, aren't we? The world's value system. We're bombarded. You are bombarded every single day by the world's values. And it calls upon you. And it presses you and it pressures you to buy in to the lies and the beliefs of the world. How does that happen today for us? How, 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 do, how do we mix with the nations, so to speak? How do we allow the world and the world's values to influence us? Let me give you one example today. <laughs> Notice it's in my back pocket. <laughs> right? How many of you have one of these today? Everybody, right? Everybody. Everybody has some sort of connection digitally. How do we live separated from the Lord, for the Lord, in such a digitally connected society? Uh, I don't know if you're on social media. I'm not a big social media person, personally. But I'm also not a person who thinks that all social media is evil and we should just like, you know, uh, totally do away with it. But here's some interesting uh, facts about social media. Do you know that 48% of the world is on some form of social media? 48, almost half of the entire world is on some form of social media. And that the average person uh, utilizes social media for 2.5 hours per day. That's crazy, right? Two and a half hours of their day is dedicated uh, to social media, in that in, in that time frame, that person is going to see somewhere, just in two, two and a half hours, somewhere between six and 10,000 ads per day on social media. And some of you are like, preach it, brother, right? Social media is evil, right? Like you're like you're jabbing your kids, right? You're listening to this kind of thing. Don't get all judgmental here, right? Because social media is just one way that we're influenced, isn't it? It's just one form of the world just bombarding us. This is what I value, and this is what you should value, and this is what you should buy into, and this is what you should believe, and these are the things that you should hold to in life. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, the truth is it could be talk radio. I don't know about you, but man, there was a like, talk radio phase of my life where I'm just like angry all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've become Sean Hannity. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that either. <laughs> Dear Lord, help us. <laughs> it could be your in-laws. Uh, it could be a friend. It could be a coworker. Uh, it doesn't matter. The, the reality, it doesn't matter what age or span of life you're in. Every single person in this room can and is influenced by something, Right? And the challenge in the midst of this is that, that, that we would live separate for the Lord, that we would not allow the, the world, the mixing with the nations, that we wouldn't allow the world's ideologies and thoughts and beliefs and, and, and things that they uphold to influence our lives, but that we would allow, first and foremost, the scriptures and the word of the Lord to influence us most in life. That is the challenge, is living separate for the Lord in the midst of the influence, right? So let me give you, let me give you something practical to do. Uh, and this is something uh, our daughter has done, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, dote on her just a little bit, but something she has done in her life that I think is really 
beneficial is that you and I would take the digital or take whatever it is that's influencing us in life and we would uh, do something that's called a media fast. A media fast. Raise your hand if you ever heard of a media fast before, right? We all know what a fast is. Right? A fast is, is a, it, we, we think of in terms of food, typically, right? Like, I'm going to stop eating for a period of time in order to focus on spiritual things and spiritual habits. But have you ever thought about taking a fast from media and your phone and digital content and whatever uh, shape that might be in your life? Maybe take a break from the news. Shocker. Turn the news off, right? Turn the influence off for an extended period of time. Maybe it's 24 hours that you would gather your family. You would say, you know, we have a responsibility to live obedient and separate for the Lord today. And we're going to do something that's tangible and that's real in our lives so that, that we can focus on what is most important, that you would, would, would take a break from it. See what happens. I challenge you to, to do that just for a point of time and replace it replace it, right? Maybe with the reading of God's word more, maybe uh, with meditating upon scriptures, praying more, maybe dedicating just some quiet time, right? Some time where you're just, you're just, you're just not thinking and you're, you're not focused on all the things that you have to do in life. Read a book that pours life into you spiritually. Get coffee with a friend and put the phone down and have spiritual, a spiritual conversation. See, these things aren't profound and hard, but yet they're the things that we often dismiss in our lives. That's why you read things like this in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Live separate for the Lord. That we would do something drastic. That we would take steps to avoid these things. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction. And then notice this, to keep oneself unstained from the world, that the world would not have this control and influence over our lives. And then a very popular verse in 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And this Tony Evans quote comes into play there. Don't embrace the world's system, the world's values. Because you'll find yourself, and I I can't tell you how many times, I was in youth ministry for a long time, I can't tell you how many times I had talked to students uh, who uh, were, you know, their parents were faithful in church and serving, and they were faithful to youth group, and then all of a sudden, uh, they come to me weeping and crying, and and, and saying, this is where I'm at now, and I don't know how I got here. I don't know what happened. Because you got comfortable and you got lax, and you were at ease, and you thought you didn't need God in those moments. And the same happens with you and, you and I this morning as adults. We slowly buy into all of these ideas of the world. I need these things to be happy. I need this career. I need this thing to happen. I need to have this possession, and if I have it, everything will just work out in my life. And God's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. What you need most is me, and you need to live an obedient, separate life. And listen, Joshua's advice would later prove to be timely and necessary because these things would happen to them. They would forsake the Lord, and they would go into judgment, and they would go into this vicious, vicious cycle. In fact, later on, uh, they would spend 70 years in a foreign nation in foreign captivity because they did not do 
these very things that Joshua commended them to. They became comfortable. And this brought trouble into their lives, and it will bring trouble into your life as well. Basic obedience every single day of our lives that we would wake up and we would say, because of what Jesus has done for me, because of what he went through in order to secure my salvation in my relationship with God right now, because of what he has done for me, I owe him today my obedience. And I owe him today to live a separate life for him this morning. I've got two more principles. We're going to share those next week. But as our worship team comes back up this morning, would you stand together uh, with me as we close out our service this morning? Complacency is the enemy of success. If that is true, where in your life today have you become complacent? It's so easy. It's so easy to become complacent and indifferent to the Lord. It becomes so easy especially in modern America today. Just be comfortable with a little bit of Jesus. To be comfortable with just a little bit of scripture, a little bit of obedience in my life. Are you being complacent in your faith? I don't know what you need to do. I don't know what speaks to your heart or what challenges are in your life today, but we need to be obedient if we're going to succeed for the Lord as a church in taking the gospel to a world that is lost and desperately in need of hope, and the hope is found in Jesus, if we're going to be successful in that, we have got to be people who are willing to be obedient and be separate. Has the absence of conflict, maybe the absence of difficulties, caused you to become complacent in your faith today? Are you striving for that obedience? Are you striving to be separate for the Lord today. God, this morning, we are so thankful, God, that you call us out to these things, and they're not burdensome, but God, they're freeing, that, that we would live under the shadow of your wings, that we would live under the shadow of obedience and the blessings that the nation of Israel was, was uh, uh, afforded to them because of that obedience was just right there. But God, just like they failed, we often fail. And you allow us, God, to come before you, to confess our sin, to confess the moments that we have not lived separate lives for you. And you allow us to start afresh, and God, we're so thankful for that, that you're a God of new beginnings, that you're a God of grace and a God of mercy. But God, help us to be people who live in obedience to you, constant, every day, balanced obedience, that we wouldn't be extreme one side or the other, but that we would find balance in you. God, that we would be willing to remove the, the, the influences in our lives, Lord, that we would be willing to evaluate them, that we'd be willing, Father, to, to do whatever it takes to allow you to be the sole influencer of our hearts, of our minds, of our lives, of our families, God, and what could happen if we actually live this way? What could happen, Lord, if we actually led this way? We're so grateful, Lord. We're grateful for Joshua. We're grateful for his leadership. We're grateful for his advice, Father. And we pray that the word of God would not return void in our hearts and our lives today, but it would change us and mold us and shape us into the men, women, and children of God that we, we desperately need to be for you in this world today. We love you. We worship you in Christ.
precious name, would you worship with us?